God has been so good. God continues to be good and God will be good. The mission of Wheaton Bible Church is that more and more people would love God, grow together, and reach the world. That means we long for more and more people to live vertically, to love one another radically, and to lift up Christ in word and deed boldly. Loving God has been a historic emphasis of this church over the last 90 years. We get at this corporately by the robust teaching of God's Word and God-centered worship. Year after year throughout our history, Wheaton Bible Church has been committed not to telling people what they want, but telling people what they need in order that they might be all that God wants them to be. We get at this individually by longing and doing everything we can to help you be a student of God's Word. Research tells us that the number one indicator of spiritual growth is the personal intake of the Bible. The personal study of the Bible, listening to podcasts, reading books, being parts of Bible studies. But why this emphasis of Wheaton Bible Church on the Bible? And what does that mean for us? What is the focus of the Bible? We believe here at Wheaton Bible Church, and this is another aspect of what it means to love God, is that the Bible calls us to live a gospel-centered life where we focus not on what we must do as believers in Christ, but ultimately on what Christ has already done for us in the gospel. This is our very first value, that the gospel isn't just the starting line of the spiritual life, it's the entire, it's the whole race. Paul gets at this in 2 Corinthians 3, 18, when he says, and we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image. The Lord's glory is a reference to the person and the work of Jesus Christ. And Paul is telling us in this very important verse on the centrality of the gospel that the key to spiritual transformation is contemplation on the beauty, the presence, the power, the grace, the mercy, the truth, the righteousness, the holiness of Jesus Christ. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed. Contemplation is the key to transformation. So then what does it mean for us to love God here at Wheaton Bible Church? It means that we feed on his word that we might fix our eyes on Jesus and in doing so overcome the downward pull of sin and satisfy the deepest longings of our hearts. Let's talk now about growing together. So as Rob mentioned, the first part of our mission is to love God personally. The second part of our mission is to grow together in community. 
In Matthew chapter 22, when Jesus is asked what the greatest commandment is, he responds by saying that the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and with all your strength. The second commandment is to love your neighbor as yourself. So what we see in Scripture is that community with others is always, always an overflow of communion with God. Once we are made right vertically, then and only then can we be made right horizontally. Amen? To the degree that we find our identity in the person of Christ, to that same degree we will find our community in the body of Christ. The reason why we here at Wheaton Bible Church, uh, the reason why here at WBC we believe that our horizontal relationships must always be seen through the lens of our vertical relationship is because when we do not do this, we end up looking for in people what we already have in Christ. And we end up using people to serve ourselves instead of using ourselves to serve others. Here at Wheaton Bible Church, we believe that groups are the best place for the most people to find that type of community. Our groups are for people at any life stage, from any background, and from anywhere on the spiritual journey. To make sure that community here at Wheaton Bible Church does not become an end in itself, our groups are centered around the Word of God and the work of Christ. In these groups, we come together to encourage one another, serve one another, love one another, and hold one another accountable. Here at WBC, we wholeheartedly believe that people might learn in rows, but they grow in circles. It is because uh, we have a Savior that wanted to reach us, that as a church, we want to reach the world. Right from the beginning of Witten Bible Church, one of our core values has been, as a church, uh, to send and to be sent. And that, the reason why we do that is because we believe in the Great Commission and in the Great Commandments. Because we have believed in the Great Commission is the reason why, as a church, we have always called um, our people, our members, uh, to go. To go into the nations, to go and make disciples, to go and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and to go and teach everyone what God has commanded, as Matthew chapter 28 says. And this is the reason why, right from the beginning of the church, we commissioned six missionaries. That was in 1930. And throughout these 90 year, years of the church, God has used us as instruments to send out 535 missionaries to 85 different nations. If you, yeah, give him glory. Give him glory. If you actually do the math, you will notice that this is about six missionaries per year. It is our desire as a church to see the, God, the kingdom of God extended to people of different nations and tribes and ethnicities and languages, all standing before the throne of God and before the land of God, Jesus Christ, all worshiping together. It is because we believe in the great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the reason why we call that more and more people from WBC seek the flourishing of their communities. Work as vocation and not just as an obligation. Practice hospitality and love and serve the orphan, the widow, the stranger, and the poor.
That's why we believe as a church that we are called to reach the world, and that's why we exist. We believe that as we live this out, loving God, growing together, and reaching the world, God's name will be glorified for another 90 years. And more and more people will find Jesus not just useful, but beautiful and worth of adoration. Amen? Amen. Let's give him glory. So that's just a couple minutes on our mission, the mission of Wheaton Bible Church, which is foundational to who we are. It drives everything we do. Now we thought in light of our 90 years, we would like to do something a little differently this morning and invite some people up so that Hannibal and I can ask them some questions and we can hear about the story of Wheaton Bible Church through them. These are men and women that have been a part of Wheaton Bible Church a long time. They're men and women that have been active in serving and even in leading uh, this church over the years. So I want you to join me in welcoming these rather nervous people. Let's do that. So Gary Dossie, we're going to start with you. You've been at Wheaton Bible Church just a cool 56 years. You were the chairman of the elder board in the mid-80s. You came off the elder board. You eventually joined our staff serving as a senior associate pastor, and you were on our pastoral staff for 22 years. Gary is the author of the book on the history of Wheaton Bible Church, which I believe you can get out in the atrium today, I hope. So, Gary, um, just give us some highlights, man. Well, there's so many that come to mind, but here that we're in this worship space right now, the, the one that really comes to my focus is the miracle of God that has provided this space for us. Many of you would know that uh, shortly after Pastor Rob came in 1994 that we saw just incredible growth in our attendance in the church, and the church leadership felt the need to respond to that over the years, we had been purchasing residents to the block to the east of our church on Main Street with the intent that one day we might be able to move out there and expand to the east. As we began to lay our plans for, uh, for expanding the, the church, we looked to the east to do that, but then in meeting with the city planners and the city mayor, we soon learned that that wasn't going to happen. Uh, they did not want us to extend further into the residential community. And so we looked at the block that we did have on Main Street, and we thought, how else could we build out on this spot that we have here? And so we looked at a number of plans to do that, and the most aggressive of the plans that we could do, we could do would be to add about 350 people to our, our capacity there on the site. And as we had that meeting where we discussed those plans and came to that conclusion that the number was 350 people and we could do, do no more on that site, I remember somebody in that meeting that night asked, does that make sense to anybody? And then there was a silence, and then kind of one by one, we heard the answers, no, no, it doesn't. And that was a spark that started this whole process of looking for new land, for we felt that we have to move someplace else to expand the ministries of Wheaton Bible Church. And so we started looking for land. 
And to nobody's surprise, we discovered there wasn't a lot of new land available. Perhaps we could go out west of St. Charles or into an industrial park somewhere, but that wasn't who we wanted to be. This site that we're on right now was not for sale. It had been purchased a short, a short time before that by a land builder, a home builder and, and, and land developer to build over 200 houses on this site here. But by God's grace, he took one of the men in our church, who's a well-known builder in the area, Mac Earhart, and had a professional relationship with the man who owned this property. And so we just trusted God, go ask the question. And so Mac and this man here, Chuck Stair, went and visited the owner of this land and asked the question, by the way, while a lot of people were praying, would you sell this property or some of this property to Wheaton Bible Church to expand their ministries? And the answer was yes. That was an incredible answer to prayer. And then the other answers to prayer that followed was the, the kind of contract that we had, the five-year land contract, and then being able to pay off this land. Our commitment was to pay it before we did anything further. And, and God, by his great provision, allowed us to pay it off the land. And then the plan for this building and, and, and the huge cost that this building would have and we were able to find a way to finance it through the sale of our properties in downtown Wheaton. Large gifts, many medium-sized gifts, and thousands of small gifts, including children coming in with the piggy banks from our <laughs> Sunday school class as well. What an exciting thing that was, and God allowed us to be here. I remember just a couple of weeks before we opened the doors, the carpet wasn't down here yet. And our people, many of you here, were on your hands and knees writing scripture verses down here. And then in the East Worship Center, they were doing the same thing, primarily in Spanish. But uh, the, the next work day afterwards, we saw the, the workmen come in here, standing around, reading these verses to one another. And then just a couple of weeks later, we opened the doors, July 20, 2008, and we just saw the people come in, and I was just overwhelmed with God's goodness of what he had done in this place. Amen. To God be the glory. Amen. Yeah. And Gary, we thank you because you were right in the middle of that. You played a huge leadership role. And if I can speak for you and all of you that were involved in those many teams and the hours and hours, your fundamental driver in your heart of hearts was that more and more people would come to know Jesus Christ. And God has honored that. Here we are now these years later. Chuck, I want to go uh, to you next. You have been on the elder board on and off at Wheaton Bible Church for 23 years. You have been the chairman of the elder board for 18. You have seen God work in difficult times and in good times, and we want to hear from you some of the things that you have observed that God has laid on your heart, brother. Well, my uh, first experience is really before uh, 1994. And I, my first term as an elder was under Chris Lyons, who had a vibrant, wonderful ministry here at Wheaton Bible Church. But after Chris left, um, we entered in a period of decline as a church. And during that period, it got to be dark days, and many of you will remember that. 
We had good people on both sides of sharp disagreements, and it was a, it was a very difficult time. And it's even difficult now to talk about that time because um, it was so difficult. And several hundred people left our church. But the wonderful thing about it is that God worked through all of that and brought great healing to our church. After that pastor resigned, the Board of Elders was prompted by God, I believe, to call Don Cole. Many of you will remember that Don Cole was a Radio Moody, our Moody Radio uh, Bible pastor, and he did a wonderful job. He filled in as interim pastor. <clears throat> and our church uh, started growing and coming alive again, and it was a marvelous time. He was a loving person, encouraged us every Sunday. <clears throat> and it wasn't long after that that our congregation in 1994 voted 97% of our people to call Rob Boo as pastor. 3% yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> well, I had a talk with those folks, I remember that. <laughs> but it was uh, just a demonstration to me of how God healed our church. And, and when Rob came, of course, it wasn't hard to see his passion for the lost. And our church began to grow, bust at the seams, and we got into that program that Gary described from 1994, planning for church growth, and it was a wonderful time. God went before us all through those times and brought whatever we needed at the exact right time, including people that did wonderful jobs at various stages during our building program. So to God be the glory. So, uh, Chuck, now that a lot of those of us that know you a little bit more, we know that you have uh, two great passions. One is leadership, and the other one is generosity. And uh, I think this is the first time that I've shared this with the church, but uh, about 13 years ago, uh, you approached me and you asked me if I would be interested in pursuing uh, formal theological education. Uh, and because I didn't know you, I completely ignored your proposal. Um, <laughs> Five years after, you approached me again, and you said, uh, you asked me, do you remember what I offered so many years ago? And I say yes, and you said, well, the offer is still standing. And at that time, I, I responded, and you paid for me. This is Gary's fault. <laughs> so, in a way, the Lord used you for me to be here. And it was, because you have, it was because you have a heart of generosity. Why generosity is such an important thing to you? Well, in, in that particular case, all of us elders saw great potential in you, Hannah. <laughs> and, and it was easy to invest in you. But a, a couple of things have influenced me in uh, generosity or giving over the years. Uh, number one is when I married my wife, Pat, the 
first check I got, I saw that she had taken out money for our tithe. And it was pretty tough in those days <laughs> to have, a, have the tithe taken out. So, but anyway, she was a great example on that whole area. And she ran our household finances. And so we got started early giving. But another um, great influence in my life was the 37 years I spent at Tyndale working working with Ken Taylor. And uh, Ken Taylor was an unusual guy. As you know, he was the um, uh, author of the Living Bible, and great royalties came in when that Bible took off. But he had an interesting philosophy of giving. He told me once he didn't want to die with a big bank account, and he didn't. (laughs) But the most important thing is when I was at his funeral, how many people came up and thanked Mrs. Taylor for Ken's generosity with them in starting ministries or going on the mission field or whatever it was. But what a legacy he left and an influence on me as I spent so much time with him. But the Lord wants us to be not only cheerful givers, but to be investors in his work. And when you think about giving, think more in terms of investing. We all know about investing. Everybody wants us to invest for the future. But here's a chance to invest really in the, tr- in the future, in eternity. Store your treasure in heaven where it can't be destroyed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chuck. CJ, let's go to you. Um, You've been a part of the church for a number of years. You've been so faithful in serving in so many different areas. And we want to hear from you a little different perspective on how you have connected and what Wheaton Bible Church has meant to you and your family. Thanks, Rob. For all of us, there's some point of connection into Wheaton Bible Church, whether it's parents bringing a child to the nursery or Sunday school or coming to church with a friend or relative or even someone seeing our presence on the Internet and coming to check it out in person. For me, it was my violin. Uh, I came to Wheaton College in 1973 as a freshman music major, and one day in our orchestra rehearsal, our director, Art Catterjohn, who was a member of this church, invited some of us to come play at his church the next Sunday. So I did, and I tell people that I came, I played, and I stayed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I looked around and I saw a lot of things that I really liked, and I'd grown up in a large church, so uh, I felt comfortable with the size of the church, and I decided to make Wheaton Bible Church my home for my college years. A few years later, my husband Steve and I married and settled here in town, and again made that decision to make Wheaton Bible Church our home church, and that we wanted to raise a family here. Well, by 2000, we had four kids who were all somewhere around high school age, and we were starting to talk here at church about the move to North Avenue. And the church I'd grown up in was great, but it was really far from home, and it was hard to be involved. And I was really reluctant to put my kids in that position. So we made a difficult decision and decided to start attending another church. And that was hard. Shame on you. Shame on you. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Well, then on the night before Easter in 2001, our oldest son, Ken, uh, was driving home from an event. And he was hit head on by a drunk driver. 
and that was really hard. Um, he had major injuries, and those were really difficult days for our family. Well, we don't have family in the area. Everybody was out east. And I called Pastor Gary Dossie because I knew him. And uh, even though technically he wasn't our pastor anymore, he came and he spent time with us and prayed with us, and he was such a great encouragement and blessing to our family at that time. So thank you. Uh, then something amazing happened. People from Wheaton Bible Church started bringing us meals, offering to take our kids to school, and doing a host of other things for us that we just weren't free to do at the time. And again, that was an incredible surprise blessing that we were not expecting at all. Well, at the same time, our younger kids were kind of begging to come back here because they had friends that they didn't see at school that they would see if they were here. So about two months after Ken's accident, we decided to come back here just for one Sunday. Well, here we are. <laughs> we walked in the door, and the first thing I heard was somebody saying, oh my goodness, are you guys back? And I looked around, and I saw familiar faces. I saw people who had been like family to us. And I realized we were not just back, we were home. Those people who had cared for us, those people who cared for us after Ken's accident had somehow loved us back here where we belonged. And we're so grateful for that too. So we, we came and we settled back in. Um, about the same time or just a few months later, a position opened up on the staff here and uh, I was hired to uh, take that job in the worship and creative arts department. So it is my joy and privilege to uh, spend my days at work uh, helping to plan and carry out the worship services that we all experience here every Sunday. And that is just an amazing experience for me. As we've looked back this past weeks and months as we've approached the 90th anniversary, uh, it's been really exciting to see how God has worked in and through us as a congregation and as a family. And as we look forward to the years to come, I just can't wait to see what God has to do Amen. in us and through us. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. So now we have um, a few minutes for Manny Favela. Uh, for those of you that don't know Manny, Manny has been part of the church for 20 years. Uh, he's uh, served as an elder for about 14 years. Um, he came to the church when Iglesia del Pueblo was only 80 people, right? And since then, you've done all kinds of stuff in the church. Um, can you tell us a little bit, what is it that you've seen the Lord doing in the church when it comes to multi-ethnicity? Uh, first of all, it's been a, quite a blessing to be part of this church for, for the last 20 years. Um, and I'm really encouraged to what I see God doing in our church. Um, we have made significant changes to our services, as you all know. And that has been a product of a lot of prayer. Uh, and seeking God's guidance on how to become a gospel-centric church um, that focuses on reaching everyone seeking God, regardless of culture or background. Obviously, this requires our church to focus less on what we like and what we prefer and focus more on serving uh, and being a welcoming, relevant, and caring church to all the people in the communities in which we serve. So I see us becoming more and more reflective of those communities. In the last few months, I have attended various services, um, and it has been such a blessing to see us all coming together and listening to the word and worship together. 
But I see also more and more Hispanics coming to our English services. I also see a lot of people from other ethnicities coming to our services as well. I don't know if it's a byproduct of IDP, a product of our Puente Initiative, CareFest, the changes to our services, most likely a combination of all those things. Uh, but for sure, again, uh, coming together has always been a huge blessing. Uh, I also see this reflected in the worship team. It is made up of such a mixture of cultures, uh, but when they come together, the outcome is just beautiful. Um, I have seen our English-speaking uh, worship team also at the Spanish services. Now, I don't know if Adam, Ali, and Amy speak any Spanish at all, but they sure can worship in Spanish. Amen. Uh, a few weeks ago in the Spanish service, um, that I was attending, the worship team had just finished singing a song in English, and then they switched to Spanish. And somehow in the middle of the song, they switched to Portuguese. Um, and I was a little surprised by that. Later, later I learned that Leon, one of the members of the worship team from the contemporary service, is actually from Brazil. Um, now, singing a portion of a song in another language is not a big deal to most of us. But I kept thinking about the Brazilian families that come to our church. And some of them come to our English services, and I know some of them go to our Spanish services. And I could just imagine them worshiping uh, in Spanish and all of a sudden finding themselves worshiping in their native language unexpectedly. Um, and remembering where they grew up in the country of Brazil. Only God can do something like that. Um, That is a big deal to that family, and it shows them that we care and that we value their culture. Sometimes people just want to know that we care and that they matter to our church because they matter to Jesus. Jesus did not call us to share the gospel only with the people that we know or share the gospel only with the people that we're comfortable with or share the same interests and preferences that we do. We are called to share the gospel with everyone, with all kinds of people. So I'm very encouraged um, and I really uh, see our church being blessed, and we're definitely heading in the right direction. Mm. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Manny. Join me in thanking these men and women. Thank you, guys. Would you bow with me and let's pray? Father, we thank you for 90 years of faithfulness, your faithfulness. 90 years of mercy, your mercy, 90 years of compassion and goodness and grace, and we marvel at what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. And we come to you now and pray for the next 90 years, and pray, God, that we would, by the power of the Spirit, by the power of the gospel, the Word of God that changes our hearts, see more and more people come to Christ. And we honor you and we exalt you. In Jesus' name, amen.